lot of reaction coming into us on inflation and the cost of living. Annette says everything gone up, especially everyday essentials, uh, but wages remain where they are. And uh, my blood pressure is going up with the rent, electricity, petrol. Uh, says Leanne. Jamie says, yeah, I've noticed how it's ever increasing. Far less likely that I will be able to afford to buy my home at any point. Uh, Bridget says, takes an extra 15 euro to fill up with diesel in my car. Home heating oil last September, 500 litres was around 340 euro. Last week, same quantity, 460 euro. Michael says, gone so poor. Now uh, I gave uh, my son a button and a bit of thread and uh, sent him into the neighbours to see, will they sew a shirt onto it. Yeah, there's a bit of black humour coming in as well um, this morning, but uh, unfortunately for many, many people, it is certainly no laughing matter. And independent economist uh, Jim Power is on the line. Good Good morning morning to Jim. Jim. Morning, Joe. So it's economics and it's politics, I suppose it always is to some extent, isn't it? Because if you look at what the government intends to do, they are going to still put up carbon taxes for various reasons, you know, coalition pledges and, and all of that. But the reality is inflation running over 5% and people are really struggling now. Yeah, I mean, the first thing I would say is that I am not here to defend the government from one I hope, but this is not the government's fault I mean, what has happened in the last 12, 18 months here in Ireland with, well, sorry, six months with inflation is a global phenomenon. Inflation everywhere is currently running at the highest level in 20, 30 years uh, for a couple of reasons. One is COVID-19, because during periods of intense restrictions to varying degrees around the world, production capacity was seriously damaged as factories and stuff were closed down because of covid Um, We had serious issues with shipping, shipping containers, the scarcity of shipping containers all around the world. So when economies start to reopen, suddenly you had this massive bout of repressed demand coming back into the system. Supply was limited. Prices start to rise. And everything we consume virtually, well, unless it's produced here in Ireland, um, is shipped somewhere and shipping costs have increased dramatically. Um, and then if you superimpose on top of that politics, um, and we, you know, we see the Ukraine-Russian situation, the impact that's having on natural gas prices up 65-70% in the last 12 months. Global oil prices are up about 75% on this time last year. And most of the price pressures we're seeing in the economy are coming through energy. And of course, if you are a business where energy is a key component of what you do, and if energy costs are rising at that sort of rate, you really do not have any choice other than to try and increase the price of the goods and services you're selling. Otherwise, you will go out of business. So there's a lot of global factors here. And this discussion we're having here this morning is being had in virtually every country in the world at the moment, all around Europe. Um, governments are starting to think about and implement schemes to try and alleviate the pressure on consumers. Exactly the sort of discussion we're having in this country at the moment. So I don't think we should feel a victim culture here. Um, It's a global phenomenon. Unfortunately, that COVID-19 shock over the last couple of years, the legacy of that is absolutely massive. Okay. Does that mean then that when the European Central Bank, who have a Eurozone aim, or part of the Eurozone, of course, of 2% inflation or thereabouts, are saying that we expect it to come back to that from 5%, maybe later this year, that they're right? 
Well, that, that's been the, what they've been arguing all along. Um, and indeed, at the beginning of this, the U.S. Central Bank was arguing the same thing, but has done a volt face in recent weeks and has is starting to increase interest rates, well, starting in March, just next month, okay? The European Central Bank has said all along that this is transitory, um, that, you know, once we come out of the COVID situation, return to some sort of normality, you know, if oil prices come back down and then the inflation rate will come down very, very rapidly. But the problem from the European Central Bank's perspective is that transitory as a definition, is lengthening with every day and week that passes inflationary pressures building. So I actually think the European Central Bank is wrong, uh, that inflation is going to become more embedded in the system for at least the next year or two. And um, I think by the end of the year, the European Central Bank will actually start to um, do something on the interest rate front. Uh, The problem, of course, is at the moment, one shouldn't make any predictions because COVID has just created such an unprecedented and uncertain environment. It's impossible to be certain about anything at the moment. The one thing we are certain about, and that's reflected in the calls into the show that you read out there, you know, the cost of everything is increasing significantly. And unfortunately, I wish I was able to say that this is going to end in the next six months. It's unlikely. I think these pressures will continue to build. And of course, people will then respond to that naturally by looking for wage increases. And indeed, we're already starting to see um, wage settlements increasing because there's now a scarcity of labour to compound everything else out there. So it's a little bit of a classic um, price spiral going on at the minute. And it's something that we as economists haven't had to deal with since the 70s. Right. And and Jim, do you think, uh, we're talking to economist uh, Jim Power, that uh, the government's suite of measures, some of which they've already flagged, some they're going to flag over the next week or so, will make any real difference? Well, they're not going to alleviate all of the pressures, Okay, But, you know, for example, the €100 off the ESB bill, which I frankly think is a ridiculous idea because it's given to everybody regardless of how well off or how less well off you are, okay? So some people can afford um, the higher electricity price we're seeing at the moment. There are other people that can't. And these sorts of measures should be targeted at people that really need it. And the problem with this universal concept of giving these things to everybody is that it does cost a lot of money. You know, it's 270 million approximately to fund the 100 euro credit on the ESB bill. But, you know, that's what government is doing. And, you know, let them off. But, uh, and they're going to have to do a number of other things. I mean, I think they should be reducing the VAT rate on fuel, for example. Um, so they're going to have to do a whole load of small things. Uh, they won't save the situation for people, but they certainly will um, alleviate some of the worst pressures until these pressures pass. And um, from an, an energy perspective, obviously, when you come into late spring, into the summer, you know, when the energy requirement for households falls anyway, in most cases, then, you know, it starts to become less of an issue. So it's really to try and, I think, get people over this bridge from where we are at the moment to when things get a little bit better. Right, okay. Well, independent uh, economist uh, uh, Jim Power, thank you very much for chatting to us this morning. Our friend Dermot Jewell from the Consumers Association is on the line. Hi, Dermot, how are you? I'm well, Joe. Good morning, and thanks for being on. So, I mean, we are hearing from listeners this morning a lot of frustration. You know, I think even in the office today, people were saying the simple thing like, you know, a chicken roll, not even an elaborate one, but <laughs> a, a, a standard chicken roll was kind of 384 
and is as high in some places in Limerick now as 550 plus. I mean, that, and, and very quickly, you know, simple example, we're getting lots of them. And what can the government do or, or what's your assessment, Dermot? Well, it's, it's, it's a, the point, a lot of the points have been discussed and made, made fairly clear already. But the reality, what can government do? Well, it's what they're doing at the moment, which is they're, they're looking at every element because on every area of cost and outlay. Um, interestingly, the, the, the way they're looking at it, and they're being very clear that they, they don't want to set any trends that are everlasting. But the point needs to be, to be understood, as Jim pointed out there. And there are very intelligent people saying, look, the, 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 the goal was that this would end 2022, potentially early 23. It's now pushed into at least 2024. So government need to put in some, some elements of consideration for a lengthier support mechanism. And that's why, OK, they're looking at the, the, the energy bill credit of 100 and now they're talking about increasing that. That needs to, I think that needs to be put in, 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 in a different context Again, because it's benefiting everybody, and it was the government of the central bank who said only a couple of weeks ago, this does not impact everybody in the same way. And those on low income, middle income, um, and particularly low pay and, and welfare are really struggling at mm. this point. Yeah, and, and indeed there are signals from the government that they're trying to figure out how yeah. they might do that. And yeah. Minister Heather Humphreys was only saying last week that, look, it's not only about people on social welfare, it's people on lower incomes as well. So we'll see what they roll out. But yeah. what about the fact that, I mean, there was a poll at one stage, I think before Christmas, where people were asked, are you in favour of climate change action? And there was a huge majority in favour. But then, are you prepared to pay more for it yourself? And Mm -hmm. that majority came down very significantly. Um, So, that's a dilemma too, because obviously the carbon taxes are still going to go ahead. And obviously, energy prices are a big part of uh, 5% inflation. Absolutely, in every shape and form. Um, and it, it's true, that we're not on our own with this one, but let's look at, at how we particularly as a nation are impacted and that the addition of that carbon tax is going to have an impact on an already struggling population and that has got to be taken into account in some way. Okay, if there is to be an offset, um, in other words, if they add it and take it off in some other way, then that's fair enough because everybody understands the good intention behind it, but if people cannot afford to pay it, then that's going to knock back. I mean, the knock-on for, for everybody at the moment, Joe, is that, as you've just uh, uh, highlighted there, and as, you're, as the listeners have, um, business is passing on the costs. They can't absorb them. There was a day that they could have. We've just exited um, COVID to all intents and purposes. We're, we're struggling with the after-effects of Brexit. Everything is coming across to us as an island at a cost, so they're passing it on. If it's being passed on, a, a point comes where either people start to run into real-time debt where or arrears on bills because they can't pay them because something is determined that they must pay. For example, they must pay their rent, they must pay their mortgage, and what's left after that is to try and pay for energy bills, food bills, um, motor bills, etc., and everything that follows from that. So these are, as you say, not knocking government. They're trying to find ways and means and measures, but they've got to be solid 
and effective ones, um, particularly for those, as I say, on the, I mean, coming back, it's, I'm not the first one to say it, others have, but we've been pushing this from day one. That five euro that people got in their, in their pension and in their, in their unemployment pay, it not only has it been eradicated, it's been overtaken at a phenomenal rate and they must be in dire straits. Yeah, and indeed, you know, go all the way back to Bill Clinton's successful first campaign for the presidency of the United States and, you know, at his campaign HQ, there was a sign that said, it's the economy economy stupid because yeah. it always is the economy isn't it when listeners yeah. of ours are feeling it in their pockets politicians get very worried very fast that's exactly it and and they have to do and understandably now the one point that that is being was focused on by ourselves and i suppose it's been batted back in a number of cases and that's vat and it's been pointed out look we'd love to do something with vat but it's not that easy well it, it was easy enough for a hospitality sector for a period of time. And I don't fully understand why we cannot do something because it, 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 as an interim measure, not as a full-time measure. And, I, and, and, and by the way, that's what it, happened in the hospitality sector, isn't it? Because it went from 13 yeah. to 9 under then Minister Michael Noonan, Limerick TD, of course, and it had a big impact, but it didn't yeah. last forever. No, it didn't. It took a while now to, to be brought back, yeah. but it didn't last forever. But we're twenty. We're at twenty three percent. In Spain, is twenty one. In Germany, is nineteen. Our nearest neighbour is only twenty. So, some, you, you would like to think that as an interim measure, could we bring it even one or two percent? Bring it down for a bit, and, and that, and that would, would have, have a big impact across the board, wouldn't it? It would because it's in everything. It's on our food, not all of our food, but it's in our food. It's certainly in energy costs. It's certainly in fuel costs. It's in every mm. bill that every. But would it cost us? A fortune so, yeah. in the terms of our budgeting nationally would it, 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 it i say it would and is that, that seems to be wrong. the really i mean i'm sure the department of finance and public expenditure are saying look we already owe an awful lot of money for uh, covid and the pandemic and now you're talking about reducing VAT, which clearly politicians would love to do as a short-term measure sure to be very popular yeah but it, it also needs to be borne in mind that there is an answer back to that which is well every single bill has gone up so every single element of tax is bringing in more money. Why not even it out a little bit for a while? And I and I think, you know, it makes more sense. So if you had a bill that was 100 euro with that at 13.5%, fine. If your bill is now 150 euro and you're paying um, way, way more in VAT, then surely there's, there's, a, there's a, a benefit that the government can pass back for an interim period, you know. Mm. All right. Very interesting. All right. Thank you so much for talking to us this morning. There's a big, big reaction coming in on this WhatsApp or text 0800. Six one two three ninety five ninety five. If you are finding the cost of living really difficult at the moment, uh, Dermot Jewell, our friend from the Consumers Association, appreciate your time. Your views, your news, your Limerick today with Joe Nash on Live ninety five.